Hello and welcome to this edition of the IFS Zooms In. I'm Paul Johnson, Director of the Institute for Fiscal Studies, and I'm joined today by my colleague Helen Miller and also by Helen Dickinson, who is Chief Executive of the British Retail Consortium. Today we're going to be talking about business rates, a pretty big tax actually, raises uh, well over £20 billion a year. And we're going to be talking about business rates, particularly in the context of the high street. There's been an awful lot of coverage in recent months and indeed years about the role that business rates may or may not be playing in the demise of retail on the high street. Um, So before we dive into that particular question, though, of uh, business rates and the high street, um, Helen Miller, um, we're going to have to get our Helens right here. Uh, Helen Miller, um, perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about what business rates are, what they're there for, um, and how we ought to think about them. Sure. So business rates are a tax that is levied on the occupiers of business properties. So you can think here of you know, shops, factories, offices, uh, warehouses, and so on. And the tax base, the thing that determines how much a business has to pay, is the kind of estimated Uh, market rental value of a property and the tax rate which in this context just happens to be called the multiplier is around 50 percent to give you an example if you had a uh, a business that had a a a building that was renting for a hundred thousand pounds their tax bill would be about fifty thousand pounds that's a pretty big tax bill um it's certainly significant from the business's um uh, point of view it's worth saying that smaller value properties uh, get various reliefs that mean they either pay no or a reduced rate of business rates. So it's uh, not all businesses pay the same. Um, and as you mentioned at the top, uh, Paul, there are non-trivial tax for the government. They raise about 3% of revenues in a normal year. Obviously, the last year has been a bit, bit of an outlier there. But in a normal year, they're about the same size as council tax, and um, but smaller than, for example, corporation tax. And roughly how much of uh, business rates is paid by what we're talking about today, the retail sector? What fraction? Uh, So it's about a quarter. So um, because obviously um, retail commercial properties are higher value or have historically certainly been higher value than perhaps other types of sort of office type commercial properties. So a, 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 a big proportion of the business rates bill um, sits on, on on retail, which is about a quarter of the total. And then when you add hospitality onto that as well, it would probably be not quite as big a chunk, but, uh, you know, another another big chunk onto, onto it too. So it's important to remember that the majority of business rates are not paid by retail, which is what we're talking about today. But that is a very strikingly high fraction because of course retail and hospitality are not that big I mean they're a big big important part of the economy but retail isn't a quarter of the economy and retail plus hospitality isn't whatever that might come to 40 percent of the economy so all of the other factories and businesses and offices and so on uh, pay the remaining uh, chunk of business rates and of course between them between all other businesses they're much more than uh, they're a much bigger fraction of the economy as a whole but one of the reasons that it's the retail sector that is particularly concerned about this is that uh, for that sector there are particularly um, particularly big fraction or they're paying a particularly big fraction of the total the, uh, the I think the the rough numbers are retail is five percent of the economy of GVA it pays 10 percent of business taxes so there is already a mismatch and within that 10 percent of business tax a big chunk is business rates 
because retail is um, because of the you know the nature of retail, the fact that it's it's very people intensive and property intensive, uh, or has historically been, and I'm sure we'll come on to that, uh, uh, is um, is 25% of, of that business rates um, total within the 10%. So 5% of the economy, 10% of business tax, of which a big chunk is, is business rates. So how big a deal is that for um, uh, for, for retail business? I mean, how, it, it's a tax, but there are lots of other taxes. They have to pay employer national insurance contributions on their, uh, on their employees. They have to pay corporation tax. Um, and you know, as we've heard, they have to pay rent, and the and the rates are less than their less than their rent. How, how big an issue is, is 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 business rates for the retail sector? Big. <laughs> it's uh, it's probably well, it's the biggest tax issue, um, and it is in terms of the conversations that I have with you know people, retailers, so people who are members of the BRC. Um, it, this is one of their top three most important sort of policy-related areas. Uh, it was something that, that was vexing and um, a, a, a big priority pre-COVID. Um, obviously, um, COVID, I think, has sort of shone the light on it in, in new ways because what one of the things that the Chancellor did you know, very early in the whole COVID proceedings as a way to sort of inject some support uh, or lifeline, if you like, into the um, into the retail and into the hospitality industry was to sort of suspend the business rates for initially for 12 months. Um, but I think he, the reason he did that probably is because, A, he knew that was a nice, easy mechanism to, to be able to provide that support quickly. But also, I think he knew that that, that was going to be probably the number one area that uh, uh, that would be top of the list in terms of things that uh, retailers would would be most concerned about. So it it has been a a big issue, um, but for lots of reasons. Um, most notably, because the in a in a rising sort of commercial property market, it perhaps was is less of an issue when those market values on which the the business rates are levied are going up. Then. Perhaps that's uh, it, it was less of an issue. We are not in in that situation in commercial retail property and haven't been for the last five years or so. So commercial rents on properties have been falling. So that is that's one reason why it's an issue. And then the other reason it's an issue is just because the very nature of the way that we all shop has been shifting. So the the economics of physical spaces as generators of value has changed over the course of. Um, certainly my lifetime and and most particularly over the last 10 years or so um when you think about the you know the 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 way that we all shop being you know digital as well as physical so the the economics of physical stores has shifted and that has brought to the fore the sort of taxation of them um being out of step so so probably you know those are the two main reasons um and then the third one actually is i think to do with the way that the system works, it's it's very unresponsive. It takes a long time for market values to reflect reality. There is all sorts of reliefs and things that make that even harder to, to flow through. Properties are only valued every five years and that, you know, with a date that's two years before that valuation. So it, it's a it's a very 
in, in the view of uh, uh, some policy experts here, but uh, in the view of the 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 occupier, certainly a very inefficient and ineffective and outmoded and uh, uh, pain in the backside kind of tax. <laughs> big, 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 big issue. Yeah, I think uh, I think we get the message. It's a big it's a big issue. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, uh, and I think there's a lot in that that um, you know most of us would would agree with but, but Helen Miller I think one of the one of the things that um, that we worry about in this is you know what what in the long run would be the effects of uh, cutting or abolishing business rates and it's it's perhaps less obvious than you might think that it would benefit the shops that are actually renting the properties that Helen Dickinson um, is worried about. So we'll come back to a lot of the specifics that Helen was was talking about. But 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 going back to the sort of you know the basics of um, of business rates. I mean, are there reasons that perhaps um, in the longer term this might not be such a, a, a big as big an issue as perhaps some of the um, some of the retail chains think? Yes. So I think, you know, from a business perspective, you can completely understand, you know, all the points Helen has just put across. You know, it's a big tax and every year you see this big tax flying out to the exchequer. Of course, it feels like a big issue. I think the key insight that kind of economics brings here and that, you know, policy design people bring is that you really have to look at business rates and rents together. And there are very good reasons, um, you know, we can go through both in theory and actually have some evidence for this, that in the long run, higher business rates lead to uh, lower rents. And the kind of key to that insight is that most of the value um, of a business is really about the land. So think about why a shop on Oxford Street is, has a higher rental value than a shop in I don't know, Maidstone or Maidenhead. It's not because that shop is particularly nice. It's because of the location. It's the land value. Um, and that, that you know the, the owner of that land, if you put up or down business rates hasn't really got much or put up and down rent sorry hasn't really got much choice if you're a landowner you own a shop in oxford street and your rent goes down what are you going to do there's not much you can do really you can't move that piece of land for sure and you could close it and do something else with it but that's often not a great option so the landowners aren't very responsive to prices whereas business occupiers are very responsive or at least they're more responsive than landowners so if business rates if rents go up or down they have more choices they could maybe rent a smaller shop or go to a different area move out of town and it's basically because business occupiers are more responsive to prices than landowners the tax effectively ends up getting passed back to the landowner and you know that's that's the theory behind it we also have some good evidence for it so you know, in general, it's hard to determine. It's hard to work out how much of the tax is paid by business occupiers, sorry, yeah, business occupiers and landowners. But in, in 1990, we had a pretty big change of the system in the UK, and that allowed us to get some evidence on what happens when you put up business rates. And the answer was actually very clear that you put up business rates, and even within two years, um, rents had gone down. Um, and so there was pretty good evidence that actually, even pretty quickly, rents responded to business rates. So stepping back from that, what does that mean? Well, it means that you know, why, you know, business rates, if they're predominantly paid, really their burden on the landowner because of the supply and demand factors going on, then in the long run, business rates can't be what's killing the high street because it, it's not really being paid properly by businesses. It's being passed back to landowners. Now, I'm not suggesting that 100% of the tax gets passed back. I don't think that's true. And as you alluded to, Paul, there is different issues in the short run. In the short run, business occupiers will pay business rates, which is why issues that Helen raised about the pandemic are you know, front and centre at the moment. 
But I just think that long run, that long run position where it's landowners really who are paying business rates is uh, is really central to thinking about how if you want to help businesses, basically cutting business rates isn't going to be a very good way to do it because it'll just be a windfall giveaway to landowners. Can I come in, Paul? Because please I, do. I, I, yes, be really interested in your views on that. I hear very um, clearly, and Helen uh, articulated it beautifully, and it's also an argument that the Treasury have have, have put forward. I guess. I guess my having having spent, I mean, I've been at BRC for eight years. I spent pretty much all of those eight years talking about business rates. Um, and the thing that I, I, I conceptually understand that, that uh, everything that Helen said, but my the thing that I cannot and have never been able to get my head around is um, that may be the case in the very long run if we had a perfectly functioning um, uh, rental and business rates market for in inverted commas for want of a better description. So, a uh, so because we have a property market that historically has been based on long leases with upward only rent reviews, the the prop the rent side of that equation doesn't move up and down as it should, or in the way that um, the sort of the the theory might suggest. Um, and then on the on the business rate side, it, it, that doesn't do the same either because the the way that the business rate system works, a is it's a pot of money, and the joy from the treasury point of view, it's always the same size pot, whether the market as a whole has gone down or up. So they they always generate the same amount of money, um, and and it also takes. Um, I think it was Simon Wilson, who is the chief executive next, who was trying to persuade me that it took between sort of between five and 10 years before the actual sort of correct market value of a, of a, um, of a business rate valuation flowed through to the actual business rates that he was paying because of the five yearly valuations based on a sort of point two years before that and the fact that there's transitional relief. So all of those things, when you put them together and you look at the fact that, um, you know, Helen was pointing back to, to, to 1990, the way the people, retailers have different choices about how they offer goods to consumers these days. So, so there are 15% of shops up and down the country, 10, between 10 and 15, that are empty and if all of that was working well, then the business rates and the rent should sort each other out and those properties should be taken up by a sort of willing buyer and a willing seller. Um, but because from a retail point of view, retailers don't necessarily need shops in the same way as they did in 1990, we, what we are seeing, the consequence. So I so I think you, you initially you had a question of, is business rates kind of killing the high street? I don't think no is probably the sort of simple answer to that but what it is doing is contributing to more store closures and more sort of job losses than we should want to see um because of the because of all of those reasons so there will be fewer shops there will be some jobs that get lost but we're seeing more of it because because of the way that the system works and because coming back to the sort of interrelationship i don't i'm not sure how many decades it would take for for that rent rate sort of equation to to sort itself out and we you know we that would be a lot of jobs and a lot of shops and a lot of communities that would get impacted in the intervening period so so that's the bit that i can't quite get my head around 
Well, let, let's let's take this. There's 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 several points there. I think um, it's worth um, drawing them out. I mean, one I think um, important point is is really getting at the the, the key issue that um, Helen Miller was talking about, which is this pass through to landlords. And I think your concern is yes, you accept that in principle, uh, but in practice, it will take just an awfully long time, long enough to create a lot of the problems that you're talking about because of the way that the sort of rental market for properties works. Um, even if you were to reduce business rates um, dramatically in the short run, it would take a long time before those rents would rise or, or uh, put it the other way around. If you increase business rates in the short run, you're not going to get a cut in rents anytime soon. And therefore, it has that real effect. Um, Helen Miller, how do you respond to that specifically? I mean, there are other issues there, but that specifically is, is, is I mean, is, 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 is the issue that your argument, as it were, works in principle, but, but not in practice? Well, there's a couple of things to say about that. I mean, one is that I don't, you know, I think Helen and I actually agree on quite a lot of stuff here. You know, I think that there obviously are um, problems in the rental market. It means rents don't adjust overnight. That's for sure true. And I think it's worth thinking about here that we've had business rates for a long time and a lot of shops haven't changed dramatically in value. Some have, but a lot haven't. So a lot of the business rates that a shop pays kind of has been there for decades and will have already been passed backwards. So most of it has already sort of been baked into the rents from the past. Obviously, when you change business rates, that change can take time to work through to rents. And I completely agree that there's some weird asymmetry here because of the rental contracts often being upwards only. That means that it's harder to get cuts in rent um, if business rates pushed in that direction. I completely take that. Although, again, worth saying that if we're talking about trying to cut business rates, that would be pushing up on rents. That goes in the same direction as the rental contracts. Um and it's also worth saying that I think there'll be different effects for different businesses. Some businesses, I think it'll be faster and some it will take um, longer. But again, you know, I think one of the surprising things from 1990, and I get that the market was different, but I'm using that example because it was a good example. We had a clear evidence that we did a policy experiment effectively. Um, they've, yeah, that, that, that study found that you put a pound on business rates and within two years within London, 85p of that had gone um, through rents. So actually, that was a remarkably quick response. Now, I think I mean, that that seems surprisingly quick to me. I think actually, usually it would, it would take longer than than that. Um, but I, you know, I do think we have good both theoretical and empirical evidence that does get passed back. I think what a lot of this speaks to really is two things. One, you absolutely need to be careful in the short run about what you do. And in fact, one of the reasons that temporary business rates relief, like we've seen in COVID, work is because that, that relief is kept by the businesses themselves. So that's, that's why it's not passed back. Um, the second, I think, bigger picture thing is that, you know, I agree that the, the, the business rates is basically a combination of the best kind of tax and the worst kind of tax. You know, the bit that's on land values, economists really like, because you can tax land values without distorting behaviour. You tax landlords and they can't move their land to avoid the tax. That's an efficient tax. But part of the tax is levied on business properties. So there's a disincentive for businesses to invest in those properties. So in some ways, rather than kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater, we should keep the kind of the land value bit of the tax and reform it in that way and get rid of the bit of the tax that's on um, business properties. I think we could move it towards, you know, more towards a tax that had fewer of the distortions that Helen was talking about. Um, and, and it really was a tax on land values and therefore on the, on the land owners. 
Well, let, let's get to that. We've now got an awful lot of things that we're uh, that we're talking about. Um, but uh, Helen Dickinson had a second set of issues, which was about the slowness of the the fact that you only get revaluations for business rates once every five years, and often it takes a long time, even for the business rates to adjust, let alone rents. I presume um, that that's something that you would also agree with that that's just a flaw with the way the business rates works. Yes, it's perhaps worth saying to you know to listeners who haven't you know who aren't steeped in this stuff, business rates is a bit of an unusual tax. Most tax bases like income, you get a, a new measure of income every year. With business rates, you know, as Helen was saying, you get a valuation and that sticks for five years until the next valuation, and actually often a bit longer because of transitional reliefs, you know, slows things down. Um, and that means that bills can move quite out of line um, with with rents in a way that I absolutely think is problematic. So ideally, if you're going to have this kind of tax. You want revaluations to be as frequent as possible. I mean, in an ideal world, you'd have them every year. Um, and even if that's not administratively feasible because you don't want to value every business, I think even there, there are things you could do. So at the moment, values between revaluations move in line with um, consumer prices, the measure of inflation. You could, for example, move them in line with a local index of property prices so that, so that values more closely reflected local conditions. Now, that wouldn't solve all of the problems with business rates, but it would mean that for a business paying a bill, their actual bill would be more closely reflect the economic conditions they found themselves in. So you can you can limit some of those problems. And I saw Helen Dickinson giving that a double thumbs up. <laughs> Absolutely. This this point about how quickly their market is reflected, I think, is a, is a really key one. So it's, it's the regularity of valuations and the reliefs that sit around the, the, um, the system. So there is this thing called transitional relief, which basically says if, you're, if, if your value has gone up, when then we're going to cushion you over a period of time. I'm going to cushion that increase, which all sounds lovely if you're the uh, sitting on a property whose value has increased. Um, and again, that, that's where the, the sort of retailers' um, pain, some of it, is coming from, is because they're sitting on uh, where it's gone the other way. So the what the government doesn't do is is cushion the or what it does do is cushion the upside for those that have got a, um, a potentially increasing bill by slowing the benefit that is going to those that have got a decreasing bill. So if you're in a in a falling market, then you are a loser in that equation. And again, that's where you know over the last five years or so, um, or probably longer, the the commercial value of retail property has been falling and none of that really has found its way into the bill that uh, that people are paying. And there are geographical implications of this as well, presumably. I mean, we've heard the government talk about levelling up, but we've got a system which, because it is so slow to respond effectively, will be overtaxing those high streets where things are going to pot uh, and undertaxing relatively those high streets that are getting better and better. Yeah, so the the, the winner of, of that scenario, obviously COVID has probably made it even more complicated, but the winner of that scenario pre-COVID was, you know, the office in London, and the loser in that scenario was the shop in Bolton. That's a really striking statement, which, again, I'm sure that Helen Miller would agree with. I mean, the... Uh, you know, the, it feels like a small detail about the action of a particular tax system, but, but these things add up, and that is something which, and just to repeat what Helen Dickinson just said, the way that the current business rate system works, because it adjusts so slowly, certainly up till COVID, was 
effectively generous to office blocks in the city of London and mean to small shops or shops in Bolton because of the way that values have been moving and the business rates haven't moved uh, in line. So actually getting the detail of tax policy right is really, really important um, in all of this. One thing that um, listeners might be perhaps a little surprised by is, is something you've both focused on, which is that business rates are paid by the person renting the property and not by the owner of the property or the land. Couldn't we get round all of these problems by charging business rates on the owner rather than the uh, renter? Why, why, Helen Miller, do we not do that? Uh, well, I have like a couple of issues and then other Helen might have some other um, thoughts. I mean, I think one issue is just we know who occupiers are and I'm not entirely sure we have a full register of all landowners. So I think that would be administratively, I think there'd be some work to do um, there. Although I agree that in principle, actually moving it to landowners would make sense because you'd be sort of directly targeting um, the land value. I guess one other... I'll stop, stop you there. It's a remarkable fact. I mean, it is true that we don't know. We don't know who owns uh, the land uh, in the UK. And I think we're internationally unusual in not knowing that. But it is something which probably surprised people to know that one of the things that stops us uh, implementing this tax in a more effective way is we just don't know who owns chunks of the land. And of course, it doesn't mean we can never know. I mean, I guess we could go, you know, in principle, we could go find out. But in terms of it, it wouldn't just be an easy switch overnight to um, uh, to do that. It's also worth just highlighting, you know, two other perhaps obvious points. One is that if you did change the, the legal incidence of the tax, then you would need a quite, a, you know, you would expect and need quite a big revision in rents pretty quickly, because obviously, um, you know, rents are already reflecting business rates, and you'd be moving the tax, so you'd expect, expect rents to adjust by really quite a lot, that would be quite a big adjustment, I think. Um, and the other thing is that one thing you can do, given the current tax is paid by businesses is what we talked about with temporary relief so one way you can help businesses at the moment um is to temporarily relieve them and give them a benefit that that um isn't passed back and obviously you, you lose that ability so i'm not saying we shouldn't do it for that reason but just to flag that there is a that, that's one difference between having the instance on an occupier versus a landowner do you have any views on this other helen um, not, not, not particularly. I mean, I, I, I must admit, I didn't, even, I didn't even know that we didn't know who, um, who owned all our property. So that's a, that's a, that's a new one to me. Uh, um, I think, I think, you know, one of the things that has come up in lots of the conversations that we've had, whether it's a register of, of just giving more transparency, so transparency to, you know, who owns, well, who, who pays, and ideally, who owns what. Because, again, another sort of anomaly, talking of anomalies of the system, which is kind of connected to your question, is the, the, the fact that, um, you know, <sighs> rental deals between landlords and tenants take many forms with rent-free periods and contributions to fit out costs and um, discounts and, um, I don't know, breaks at certain points and all the rest of it. But it, it does mean that... Um, when you are comparing a sort of deemed market value for the purpose of the assessment of business rates by the valuation office, that is an art, not a science. And so the the you know again, I'm, my list is getting longer of, of problems. But the, the you know another problem that many of the retailers have is that they don't agree with the valuations office assessment 
And part of the reason for that is because it's so opaque as to who owns and who pays what. So we have no we have no transparency. So I suppose that's a sort of wider um, visibility point than your sort of who owns the property. But the, the whole issue of of um, you know getting more sort of data into the market to enable the market so to work more effectively whether it is on land values or on rental value surely surely has to be part of the um, the answer to to, to solving the, uh, the the treasury question which is you know the the promised nirvana of uh, what are they going to do with their review of business rates because they but they said they're going to do something and they have uh, in their manifesto said they're going to reduce the burden. I translate that to the uh, the pound burden, but whether it means the administrative burden, don't know, but they can reduce the burden which they put that in the review consultation and in their manifesto of the uh, the current government. So they have got a real conundrum because there isn't an easy answer to all this. No, and there really isn't, given that the uh, you know they they want all the money that they're currently getting, I and mean, they're not exactly awash. Uh, with uh, cash at the moment. And your point about administration is, uh, again, an important one that I guess most people don't think about very much, but I can't remember the numbers, but there are huge numbers of um, of appeals against business rate valuations, aren't there, which uh, which put you know, put an enormous cost on, on business. Tens of thousands, I think, is what springs to mind. I can't remember the t- number off the top of my head. That, that number went, um, it sort of went, was it went down or up? It went. It went in one direction because they they put in place a new process called check, challenge, and appeal, which basically meant that there was all sorts of hurdles that had to be got through even before you got into the gateway of the uh, the current system that uh, uh, the government put in place. So, 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 so there is a lot. The value, you know, I, I, again, I I don't know the, the the details of how the valuation office works, but the the feedback seems to be that you know we have a uh, an, a government agency that isn't resourced up to do what it needs to do in the volume that it needs to do it, and you know, the all the things that we've been talking about up to now just exacerbated the need for you know really efficient dealing with sort of queries and appeals, and we haven't even been able to do that. Well, that's a, a familiar uh, problem right across public sector delivery at the moment. It, it, it seems. You mentioned the uh, fact that there is a you know a review of business rates ongoing. Um, uh, I'm going to ask each of you what you hope for from from that, given the constraint that um, I think Treasury is going to want to continue to get as much money as it does, roughly speaking, from business rates. H- Helen Miller, where, where do you think that um, that review should land? And I'm not going to allow you just to say. Uh, move to land value taxation again because we know oh, that's what that's 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 okay, so we should move to a land value tax we should basically you know, do the correct thing structurally for the next 50 years and you know not not just tweak so i don't disagree um, but um, i do think that's the right thing but if so okay if, if you really you know if government's really not going to um actually grapple with the real problems then i think you'll have to accept that you're in a world of making the current system um less problematic and the big thing they could do there is try to you know, revalue as frequently as possible. I think politicians got this wrong in the 2010. Somebody, I think maybe even George Osborne, was basically trying to argue that you should delay revaluations to stop big changes happening. That's completely back to front. You should have revaluations as, as close as together as possible so that whenever the changes do happen, they're going to be smaller. Um, so revalue more frequently. And I would look seriously at in-between valuations moving towards something more like a local property price index rather than CPI. 
And, and Helen Dickinson, I mean, in terms of focusing particularly on the high street, I mean, and and you 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 mentioned right at the beginning the sort of competition from online. I mean, what, where where do you think government should go with the review to help help out on that? Well, I think it's a it's a really interesting one because um, I I the emerging way of thinking about retailing is that it, the online isn't competition. That it is part of um, the 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 model of how we as consumers interact with retailers. So what we as shoppers are doing more and more is, you know, using our our digital connectivity for want of a sort of broad term, whether it's a mobile or our you know computers or whatever they may look like, as well as going to physical shops. And so the line between you know, what's, so if you think of retail sales, the, the idea that um, online is killing the high street, I think, is, is, is one that is for the past. And actually, the way of thinking about it now is that digital and physical are sort of all much more interconnected than they have ever been before. And so from a, um, uh, from a, from a government solution point of view, what we want to do, or what the government hopefully will want to do, is it will want to make sure it's not undermining the sort of digital innovation and connectivity that we are seeing by, you know, by, by retailers, whether they're sort of pure play retailers, but also much more increasingly retailers that have shops as well as a digital offer. So on the one hand, we want to we want to save that because the UK is actually showing that it is quite good at that. And on the other hand, it wants to make sure that it is not um, uh, 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 accelerating the the sort of extra job losses and store closures more than we would need to see. So I I suppose there, you know, the the first point is kind of we, we there will be fewer retail stores in the past, but we don't want to lose so many that our communities will be decimated and we all as sort of members of the public will not like the consequences. So that is a that is a long-winded way of saying that I think, you know, the things that Helen M has just highlighted on more regular valuations, the more that we can reflect the market in between times, fantastic. Uh, get rid of transitional relief, which is my sort of, you know, if someone's got a downside, let them have it. Um, ideally, I would like, or you know, we would like the burden to come down. So that that's that is that's a that's a ten billion pound question. Can we have you know? Can we can we revert back to the thirty five p in the pound, not the fifty p in the pound that we have now? The thirty five p that we had in nineteen ninety when all, everything started. And if we could, if if all of that can happen. Um, and that you uh, don't end up sort of with an, uh, the industry sort of ending up paying more tax, then where that would be, that would facilitate and enable the two objectives that will serve customers better. Can, can I, there, there's so much to talk about here. Can, can I ask a different sort of question? You, you, you referred to the problem of sort of the, the way in which the rental market works for commercial property and in particular the upward only rent reviews and so on. Is, is there some legal change that we should be looking for there as well as or even instead of thinking about business rates? I mean, again, it is a very strange concept, this uh, this idea of upward-only uh, rent reviews and clearly creates stickiness that, um, you know, as economists, I find very bizarre. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great question that I'm not sure I know the answer to. I don't know if um, Helen has got a view, but I think the, uh, it, it technically, you know, if you were the landlord and I was the tenant, we could sign whatever we like, right? So that it's not a, it's a, it's a sort of mark, the way that it's, it's the market that has sort of led us to this place where most of those rental contracts have that clause in them. So uh, what we are seeing now, though, on the back of uh, COVID is that, you know, more and more landlords are recognising that um, they, you know, they want to keep some tenants in their properties um, because the risk of people, you know, running out of money is probably greater now than it has ever been. And so they are more willing to uh, perhaps move those standard, you know, 25, 10 years ago, we used to have 25-year leases, upward-only rent review. That was what the market sort of dictates. That was what everybody sort of did. Whereas now we're moving much more towards um, you know, shorter leases, more regular breaks, perhaps without that clause, but there is still sort of where does the balance of power lie between the tenant and the landlord? And if the, you know, the landlord's got all the power, he'll probably chuck the clause in. So it's a great question. I don't know if there is a policy answer. If we could find one that would make that rental market work better, I am all ears. So do let me know. Well, do, you, do you know that that answer made me think about the Black Death? Um, yeah, one of the because um, what what one of the big economic consequences of the Black Death is that um, yeah, because it wiped out so many um, peasants, effectively, um, the ones remaining gained an awful lot of power in the market, and it essentially undermined the feudal system. It may be that uh, COVID will do the same for the property rental market because there'll be fewer tenants willing to pay lots of money and maybe the power moves from the landlord to the tenant now there's a there's a parallel i didn't think i'd be drawing in this uh, in, in this podcast i'm not sure who the retailers are in your black death scenario but, <laughs> but perhaps best not to mention them by name but i think that the whole sort of you know debate around where the power lies i mean it's it's you know, again, it's a, a, a common conversation in retail of, you know, if you look back over history, along in, in, the, in the dim and distant past, the power lied with suppliers because they had goods that people wanted to buy. Then the, the, the power sort of le, uh, lay with the retailers because they had something that, uh, that, that people wanted to consume. So they were sort of the, the intermediary, if you like. Then, then obviously they needed property to do that. So that power, a lot of that power shifted to, to perhaps the property owners. Um, and you know where is it now? It's probably in our hands as as you know consumers because we have access to complete information through you know all this uh, digital uh, connectivity that we now we can compare prices. We can compare you know not even within this country or within our local community across markets. Um, and therefore, you know, does that how does that play into it? Does does that help our business rate conundrum i don't know that's almost a very nice point to to finish on that it's all in our hands as uh, as consumers but i just want to come back to helen miller with one final um question we've been talking about business rates and we've been talking about the demise of the high street um and one of the things that a lot of people say is well look, one thing that just looks a bit unfair is that if you're on the high street you're paying a whole bunch of business rates but if you are delivering your stuff from a warehouse 
um, as a as a sort of fraction of your turnover or as a fraction of your costs, the business rates you're going to be paying on that warehouse are much much smaller. Um, so shouldn't we be rebalancing the tax system in one way or another uh, toward so that we're, we're we're getting the warehouse based businesses to be paying more tax, either possibly by increasing the business rates that they pay or through some kind of digital services tax? Is that the sort of way we ought to be moving? I think the short answer is no. I think there's two things to say there. I think one is, you know, what Helen um, set out very clearly is that, you know, this idea that there is just, you know, there is online business and there's retail business and they're completely distinct, I think is, is not right. So the business, often a lot of businesses have you know, warehouses or they use warehouses and they use retail space. So it's not this this sharp divide. Um, but much more importantly, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You know, I think, I do think that based on evidence and you know, theory and real empirical evidence that, a lot of business rates are not being paid by businesses themselves, but by landowners. So if you think that if what you did was, I mean, one way to level the playing field would be some online sales tax, you know, as you've, you've kind of alluded to, the other would be to just remove business rates altogether. So there was, there was no concern there. I think if you remove business rates altogether, then you'd see rents go up. So highest, you know, the shops themselves would still see themselves paying a higher overall bill relative to warehouses because it's, it, it costs more to rent a property in Oxford Street than it does to rent a warehouse in Wales, for example. Um, but the current landowners will be sitting with this big windfall tax um, gain. Said differently, I think because business rates aren't really the thing that's driving the unlevel playing field, there's nothing for an online sales tax really to be offsetting. Now, the caveat there is, as I said, it's not purely a land value tax. It does have some discouragement. It is causing some problems. But I think the idea of keeping a tax that causes some problems and trying to offset it in some weird way with another tax on a different tax base that doesn't really properly capture the you know the other side of the market is a very haphazard and complex way to go. I think it'd be much better if you go that complex and really just fix business rates rather than trying to add this like sticking plaster to a problem that I think really wouldn't do very a very good job of solving anything actually. I think it would really you think of an online sales tax I think as adding a distortion to the market, not as taking one away or leveling one. Well, I think we are going to have to draw this to uh, a conclusion. Who'd have thought that we could keep going on business rates for as long as we have and still have a hundred questions to discuss that we don't have uh, have time for. Um, thank you both to Helen Miller, my colleague, and to Helen Dickinson, Chief Executive of the British Retail um, Consortium, for a fantastically uh, interesting um, conversation. That is all we have time for um, this week. If you enjoyed the podcast, do subscribe uh, and rate us. For all our latest work, please visit www.ifs.org.uk where you'll find an enormous amount of research on business rates, other taxes and a great deal else besides. And to further support our work, do consider becoming a supporter of the IFS uh, for just £5 a month. You can find a link with further information in the episode description. Thank you for listening and stay well.